fat is bad for you. I just pop a pill and I'm fine. Meat is murder. <laughs> it's time for bad food punishment. It's time for real nourishment. It's time for the nutrition heretic. The following program is provided as information only and may not be construed as medical or health advice. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. No action or inaction should be taken solely on the basis of the information provided here. Please consult with a licensed healthcare professional or doctor on any matter relating to your health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Heretic Podcast. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. I've got Bruce Fife, the coconut guru in the studio with me today, or I should say on the line with me today. I have been following Bruce Fife for ages and uh, we're excited to get to him and talk about fat is the new black. And as you know, black people used to be at the bottom of the totem pole and and the whipping boy for just all of our social ills. And uh, these these days, we are always looking for a new scapegoat. And these days, it's become fat people. And I look at social media, I look at the comments that people make about those lazy, slovenly fat people don't know how to control themselves and you know, just really picking on people for their weight. Now, what I've seen in practice, what I've seen in life is that most fat people are extremely educated and they are more educated on the subject of being fat than you are. So if you've been picking on fat people for being fat, and I don't know if you've seen the same thing, Bruce, but, uh, you know, I see that uh, people are always picking on fat people and it's just not right. You know, we're not here to one up each other and to denigrate others for the way that they look or the way that they are. But what I do notice is that a lot of people are just misguided. Yes, a lot of people are very, very well educated about what it constitutes fat. It's not just lazy people. Yes, there are some that overeat. They can't control themselves at the buffet and they don't lift a finger to do anything. But I would say that's not even the majority of fat people. I find that many people are really just putting the wrong foods into their body. One of the major things that I tend to do when I am helping someone with weight loss or really any health problem is I change the quality of their fats. Many people, when they're trying to get healthy, when they're trying to lose weight, they think that they immediately have to give up the animal fats. They have to give up the saturated fats. They have to give up proteins uh, from animals and they have to rely solely on plant-based carbohydrate type foods. That's not necessarily true. Yes, it does work for a, a segment of the population, but clearly at least two thirds of us are not responding to that. So with that, I wanted to introduce Bruce Fife. He is a naturopathic doctor and a CN, just like me. He's a certified nutritionist. He is the author of over 20 books, including The Coconut Oil, Miracle Coconut Cures, The Detox Book, Stop Vision Loss Now, and many, many, many more. Bruce, welcome. 
Thank you for having me on your show, Adrian. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I really appreciate this because, uh, as I said to you, when you first got on the line, you have been one of my like top 10 gurus <laughs> or, or mentors. You didn't even know it. Uh, you've been my mentor for, for a very long time. Just to give you a little bit of background about me, I got into this because I, just like many people who get into nutrition versus dietetics, I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, Bruce, but I always describe uh, people who get into dietetics as like the teenagers who wanted to lose weight and then follow the food pyramid. And then they said, oh, I lost weight. I'm going to become a dietitian. And uh, nutritionists and, and certified nutritionists like us tend to be people who had a health problem and found out that the conventional way wasn't working and found out what did work and then went on to study nutrition. Uh, have you seen that? You know, I think that's generally true. I had a litany of health issues, but one of them was that I had Candida albicans and the doctor who finally diagnosed me and would even entertain diagnosing and, and testing me properly, he prescribed coconut oil Good. for me. So um, my parents are from Jamaica. So I was like, well, that makes sense because that's what they grew up on. And then shortly thereafter, I stumbled across your books and uh, I've been reading them ever since. I'll admit I haven't read all of them, but you know the ones that I have read are fantastic and they actually do uh, add a lot to the conversation. Now, are you the first person who really started to write about coconuts and coconut oil? Yeah, when I first started my research into coconuts, this was like about 20 years ago. And back then, there was nothing written about coconut oil. In fact, I started looking for information on coconut oil and I couldn't find anything. In fact, the only thing I could find when I looked at nutrition books or health books or diet books was a sentence and that sentence was the same in every book and that sentence was coconut oil is a saturated fat and causes heart disease you know i saw that everywhere but no one ever backed it up or exactly. substantiated so i actually had to go to the medical literature to learn about coconut oil and when i learned all these marvelous things about coconut oil i realized that no one outside the research community, those people who are actually doing the research, knew about these marvelous things. And so that inspired me to sit down and compile all the information that I had learned from reading these studies into my first book on coconut called The Coconut Oil Miracle. I don't know if this is what you found, but I find for my own research that when I want the really untainted information, I have to go back to like the 60s. I have to go through like old literature yeah. because so much of the newer literature was written under basically advertisements that were facing the study. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. Uh, so, so actually, I just want to run down very quickly uh, because there might be some people here who have heard about coconut oil and they're not totally sure what the benefits are. So I'm going to run down just a quick list and you tell me where I may be wrong and what else you can add to that list. Okay. Uh, so these are some of the benefits of coconut oil. Stabilizes blood sugar, lowers heart disease risk, boosts thyroid function, i.e. metabolism, by which it will help you to lose weight or belly fat, so to speak. Antibacterial, anti-carcinogenic, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, antioxidant, antiretroviral, parasitic, protozoa, and viral. Is that true? <laughs> yes. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Ex 
exactly. That's the thing is that it does so many things. So would you say that coconut is a panacea in that sense? Because I do see some websites that appear to make grandiose claims for coconut. Is there a contraindication for coconuts? Is there something negative that could happen from consuming coconut? Coconut products in general can help with a vast variety of health problems ranging from diabetes to cancer to Alzheimer's to glaucoma. I mean, the range is wide, but it cannot do everything. So you cannot expect it to do everything. So is there any health concerns about coconut? Well, coconut oil is a food. And so it's not a drug. It doesn't have any bad side effects associated with it. The worst thing that coconut oil can do is if you eat too much of it, it might give you a little bit of upset stomach and a little diarrhea. Well, the solution to that is don't eat so much. Just cut back. And, you know, as you add fats into your diet, your body actually adapts to a higher level of fats. Maybe your limit right now might be two tablespoons of coconut oil or any oil before you start feeling symptoms. Well, if you continue on two tablespoons for a couple of weeks, your body will will adapt to that. So you'll be able to go up to three tablespoons and people work themselves up to four, five, six, seven, eight, or more tablespoons a day by doing that. Sorry, you reminded me of one thing that you wrote in one of your books, which Uh-oh. is the worst th- <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to uh, someone is that they could get hit by a coconut. <laughs> And I forget yeah. what the statistic was. It was like maybe five people a year in the way of a falling coconut. <laughs> people have actually studied this and they have it down to the percentages. And I don't remember them off the top of my head, but people do get hit in the head by falling coconuts. And there's more people that get hit in the head uh, with falling coconuts than have any adverse reaction to eating a coconut. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. And I just, I wanted to look that up, but I couldn't find it in which book it was in. But I do remember you saying that. So I tend to look at technically any food can cause an adverse reaction. I don't care, you know, if it's beef or kale, everything seems to have some kind of waste that has to be processed through the body at some point. So with some of the green leafy vegetables, you know, we've got the oxalates and goitrogens that often have to be eliminated. And when you get too much of that, that can cause joint problems problems, energy problems. Is there anything at all to consider like that with coconuts if you get too much? Well, that is an interesting concept. Coconut has a very strong detoxing effect on some people. So when some people start using coconut, Mm -hmm. they can actually be kicked into a healing crisis or a detox crisis where they start feeling like they have the flu. You know, they start uh, having diarrhea or they may vomit or they may have a fever. This isn't an illness because the coconut is supporting the body's own immune system. The body is finally able to expel a lot of stored toxins and it will expel it any and every way it can, you know, through the bowels, through the mouth, through the lungs, through the skin. And so people can experience a wide variety of detox reactions such as a skin rash, you know, vomiting, a coughing, diarrhea, as I mentioned before, body odor, stomach upset, headaches, you know, it could be anything. 
And this is, these are only temporary until the body can expel these toxins. And then afterwards, without these toxins encumbering the body, the body is healthier. And so you are elevated to a higher level of health. Right. Absolutely. I always tell people that uh, sometimes your diseases work their way out in reverse. The antibiotics you took when you were seven years old may show up because <laughs> you know, it, that was is suppressing, true. it was suppressing something your body really needed to work with. And instead, it became a sub layer in your, your cellular memory, so to speak, that has just never been dealt with. And now you're bringing all that stuff to the surface. All of these things are, like you said, the processes are, are being facilitated to move all of this stuff out. Exactly. I mean, it's really interesting that some people may have been on medications earlier in their life. And when they start detoxing, they will get the same reactions that they had when they were taking these medications years before until those medications are finally expelled from the body. Exactly. I was talking to someone recently about cancer and the fact that a lot of the people who have come to me who say, I was never sick until I got this cancer. And it's like, no, you were sick. Yeah. <laughs> your your, your yes. body was so encumbered, though, that some people, they just they go through life and they don't even realize what they're dealing with until they clean up. And oh, unfortunately, yeah. when they're not paying attention or they just accept feeling crappy as part of life, the end result is that they will manifest something much worse because they weren't paying attention to the signs. They didn't know they were signs because anything can be considered healthy today. And I've had cancer patients come to me and they're like, well, my doctor says I'm perfectly healthy except for this cancer. Exactly. I've heard that too. I've had people tell me that as well. <laughs> so, um, so tell me, how did coconut get such a bad rap? If it does all of this great stuff, what was the reason why? Well, the primary problem or issue with coconut oil is it's predominantly a saturated fat. So in the 1970s and 80s, when saturated fats were being scrutinized because of their tendency to raise cholesterol levels, people started to be scared of saturated fats. And then the soybean industry got the bright idea that if they could demonize saturated fats, particularly the tropical oils, they could take over the tropical oils oils markets, a lot of the saturated fat markets, and have greater income. And so in the mid-80s, they started a multi-million dollar anti-saturated fat campaign. And as a result of that, uh, restaurants took all their saturated fats out of their foods. Food manufacturers took saturated fats out of their foods uh, to put vegetable oils in. By 1990, pretty much coconut oil had disappeared from our diet. And the real sad thing about this is that when these companies removed coconut oil and other saturated fats from their foods, what they replaced it with wasn't soybean oil or corn oil, which isn't all that great either, but they replaced it with hydrogenated soybean oil and cottonseed oil and corn oil, which is the absolutely worst, un most unhealthy fat you could ever put in your body. Yes, but it's it doesn't change properties. So it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's plastic. And it's, you know, it'll keep everything on the shelf looking fresh. <laughs> And it's only been in the last few years that we've been um, made aware of the dangers of hydrogenated oils or the trans fatty acids. And food manufacturers have been pulling back on that and replacing it with other fats. I am starting to see because I've got kids and they see their friends eating potato chips and whatever. And I have educated them to understand that the oils are the worst part of those 
products. Exactly. Uh, but slowly, because they're reading now, and well, one's 12, the other one is almost six, and she's reading as well. But they're starting to read the, the labels, and there are a few that are showing up with coconut oil. So good job, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your your message is getting across. That. I mean, because I love coconut oil, and it's the healthiest oil. So the more foods that have coconut oil in, the better. Right. Actually, I have a question about the omegas. Are there any omega 3s, 6s, 9s, anything like that in coconut oil? Coconut oil has a small amount of the omega-6s, but not very much. Not like the polyunsaturated. Oh, not even close to anything like that. It has like, I think, 3%, okay. which when you compare that to, say, corn oil, which is like 60%, exactly. there's a big difference. There was another thing. This isn't about coconut oil, but coconut water. And actually, one of our people who had a question for you, she asked this question as well, which is the use of coconut water as IV fluid. I believe you said that was in Vietnam that that coconut water was uh, employed. Interestingly enough, I've researched this and there's been a number of studies, published medical studies on using coconut water as an intravenous fluid. And the oldest one I found was published in 1940. Mm. at the beginning of World War II. And during World War II, since this study came out, some doctors were aware of it. And so when they did not have commercial IV solution available for the injured soldiers, they would actually use a coconut. And it's really interesting. The basic way to do this, I mean, you could do it a few ways, but the most basic way is to grab a fresh coconut, you know, that has three little eyes on it. You puncture one of the eyes with a needle and then the needle is attached to a hose. Now, at the other end of the hose is another needle, which goes directly into the arm, into the bloodstream. And so the coconut, without being even exposed to the air, goes directly from the coconut into the bloodstream. And the coconut water is completely compatible with human blood. It, it contains basically the same electrolytes. It has basically the same amounts of sugar and such in it and so that it works very well this way and there's been several dozen studies over the years on the effectiveness of coconut water as an IV solution and in all those studies it has proven to be pretty much just as effective as the commercial solutions. Wow I, I just want to say don't try this at home people <laughs> 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 because there's always one person out there who thinks that they can just bypass going to the doctor and that's not what we're about here. But that is fascinating. When I read that, I was like, he's got to be, you know, how's that possible? It's interesting. I even saw a Jackie Chan movie once where he got beat up or something and he was had a loss of blood and he went and got a coconut and he made his own IV and put it in his arm to do that. I mean, I was surprised they even knew about that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I guess in, in the East, they still know a lot of these things and they're just not telling us. Yeah. In the islands, it's, it's, it's fairly well known among the medical profession. Right. Another question I have is that my family's from Jamaica. And so coconuts were a way of life. When I took my daughter seven years ago to Jamaica, it was a, it was very disturbing to see that kids there did not know what coconut water was. And there was apparently one a big spraying program to kill a spider maybe 20 years ago or maybe a little more than that now. And they killed off a lot of the coconut trees in Jamaica trying to get at a spider. 
you know, with some hideous pesticide. And today there is so much junk being sold as a beverage, literally just colored sugar water mm-hmm. uh, that's being sold to people. And they, they don't even give it a good name. They just call it bag juice. You know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> how more, you know, down and dirty can you get? But that's what they call it. And they drink this stuff. And so my daughter had to show them what coconut water was. And so by the time we left three weeks later, all the Jamaican kids in our family, they were wa- all walking around with coconuts where at the beginning they had no clue but now they're like oh we're just like our american cousin who drinks this stuff well you know i found traveling through the world because i've been invited to come throughout asia and even jamaica and a little bit in the caribbean teaching about coconut and i found that the medical profession even in these countries have been very much influenced by the american medical association and they have backed off on using coconut as well even in their countries that grow coconut and so the particularly the younger generation wouldn't touch coconut because oh it's a saturated fat well they see and it I as would, backwards it's it's yes. not progress right and i would go there and i would explain them how good coconut oil was and coconut was and they would say Oh, I'm so glad you told me that because I really believe that my parents or my grandparents ate coconut every day of their lives and they lived to be a hundred years old. You know, if it was bad, they would have dropped dead. You know, it all makes sense. And so uh, it helped encourage them to go back to their roots. Right. Absolutely. And and two of my cousins uh, suffer from arthritic conditions. They're young, 50. And I see these bottles of vegetable oil on the counter. And I'm like, why are you using that? There's a coconut right above your head. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we made coconut oil. They showed me how to make coconut oil. And the um, male cousin wouldn't touch the stuff. The female cousin did. I even have a picture of him grabbing a bee and sticking it in his knee to get rid of his pain. All she did was change out all of the hydrogen hydrogenated oils, fats, and the uh, vegetable oils with coconut oil that she makes herself. And all of her joint pain disappeared within just a couple of weeks, like three weeks, maybe. She yep. started to really notice a tremendous difference. And now she's fine. She said, I just make my coconut oil and he can do what he wants. <laughs> you know? so like, Good for you. It's free for them, except for their labor. And it just makes all the difference in the world. So that's actually part of the question question that I actually had where I started in on the, the whole Jamaican thing, which is that uh, raw versus cooked. Uh, when I first started uh, using coconut oil, it was the only one I could get. It came in a black jar and I just can't remember their name right now. But then Tropical Traditions, Garden of Life, you know, all these guys start coming out with mm-hmm. raw coconut oil. Is there a difference? Is there not a difference? Well, you know, one of the great things about coconut oil is it's very heat stable. People use it in cooking. And so when you're using it in cooking, you're not degrading the oil. You're not actually even harming the oil as long as you use normal cooking temperatures. And so it's still a good, healthy oil. Now, personally, I like foods that are as close to nature as possible. So the raw oils, you know, I like those, but I'm going to use them often in cooking anyway, so it doesn't matter if I buy an oil that's been heated in the processing or not. Right. And they cook everything in Jamaica. <laughs> like, really, this, there's there's pretty much no raw food going on except for the occasional pineapple. You know, they're really not doing a lot of raw. And the way that they produce it in Jamaica is that not only do they boil 
the coconut milk. It's it's actually made very much like ghee. They boil it until just the fat remains. And then they take a piece of used charcoal. So like after they've done some outdoor cooking, they'll take a piece of that charcoal and throw that into the oil. And it gives it this phenomenal roasty flavor. Huh. And that's what my cousin was using to help with her joints. And she sent, she sent me home with some as well. Once I got her onto that, she started using it for everything. So her granddaughter came home with a sty in her eye. She mm-hmm. was like, I'm getting the coconut oil out. And she slapped it on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the sty was gone. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) So anyway, we've got a ton of questions uh, that were asked this morning on Facebook in anticipation of of you being here with me today. So the first one comes from a woman named Cindy Lynn. She is uh, actually one of my local people at my farmer's market, at the Wednesday farmer's market here, Waimea, Hawaii. (laughs) She wants to know, she eats pretty much a, I don't know if it's a fully grain-free diet, but anyway, she um, wants to know about cooking with coconut oil, which we just discussed. If it's smokes in the frying pan, is it still safe to consume? Well, uh, generally, no oil is safe once it's reached its smoke point. And every oil has a different smoke point. And for coconut oil, it's about 360 degrees. And at 360 degrees, you can cook anything. You can even deep fry at that temperature. However, deep frying usually is, is about 360, 380 degrees. It is very stable, so you can cook with coconut oil and feel much safer than if you use corn or soybean or one of these other oils. As long as she's not, it's not setting off the alarm in the house. It's yes. <laughs> pretty <so>. much. <laughs> Okay. Just keep it at at a moderate temperature and she'll do fine. If it happens every once in a while, she shouldn't panic, basically. And and that's on the stovetop. In the oven, you can crank it up to 500 degrees and it won't make any difference because in the oven, you're usually cooking the oil with other types of foods and the other types of foods will contain moisture. And as that moisture evaporates, uh, it keeps the temperature of those foods at 212 degrees. Mm, okay. No matter what the temperature of the oven is. Oh, okay. So the next question comes from Scott Smith, and he wants to know, is there a combination that increases the absorption or benefits to the body? Or I think he's trying to say ideal, a combination that increases the absorption or benefits to the body, like something that should be eaten with coconut oil. And then the other thing he wants to know, which I answered, but I want to get your opinion, is what is it about coconut oil that makes it cleansing yet comedogenic for some people? There are so many health properties associated with coconut oil. For example, the antimicrobial properties, it'll kill disease-causing bacteria, viruses, fungi, uh, parasites. It's anti-inflammatory. It also stimulates healing of tissues. Whether you put it on topically or take it internally, it's going to start healing tissues. It also feeds the cells. The cells will absorb the fatty acids from the oil and use it as food, as nourishment. And all these things combine uh, help to make the body uh, healthier. 
One and another great thing, which is part of what I think Scott was asking, is that coconut oil can improve the nutrition of any type of food it's combined with. Mm. So if you add oil to a meal, you are going to get far more nutrition from that meal simply by adding the oil, not because the oil contains a lot of vitamins and minerals, but what it does is it helps the body extract and utilize the vitamins and minerals in that meal. There's been some very interesting studies in which they've given volunteers a bowl of salad, a low-fat salad, and they would take blood samples before eating and then after eating and then measure major uh, vitamins like beta-carotene and vitamin E and lutein and, and things like that. Then they would give the same volunteers on another day another salad with added fat and they would measure their blood levels before and afterwards and after eating a salad with just a little added fat the amount of vitamins in their blood triples quadruples even up to 18 times higher just by adding fat to the salad and, so and not necessarily other, coconut fat. and not necessarily coconut right just exactly. any good healthy fat it could be even from avocados mm-hmm. but any type of he- healthy fat added to it so if you kind of extrapolate you see that it would take you 18 low fat salads to equal one salad with adequate fat in it yeah you you probably uh, damage your gut in the process <laughs> because your gut needs saturated fat to function, people. That's right. And, and coconut oil has shown in several studies to be even more efficient than other fats in increasing the absorption of not only fat-soluble vitamins, but water-soluble vitamins mm-hmm. and minerals such as calcium and magnesium. Well, a lot of people don't realize that the water in our cells doesn't come from drinking water. It comes from the fat uh, in the diet and the, the saturated fats in particular, according to Marianne, that's what she always said, is that the water within our cells comes from fat. So there's nothing that will really increase the function of the coconut, like improve even beyond, because you're talking about the coconut improving the, the uh, right. nutrition you get from the diet. Is there anything that improves the absorption of the coconut? Uh, more coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes I'll meet people and I'll say, okay, I want to add some coconut oil into my diet to get all these benefits. And they'll add one teaspoon. I mean, one teaspoon isn't enough to do anything. Try a tablespoon or two or tablespoons or three. I mean, that's when things are going to (laughs) happen. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, um, in terms of the acne question, the blackheads, the way I answered him is the coconut is cleaning up your body. Uh, The stale, rancid fats that your body could not process are are being pushed to the surface. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I recommend using coconut oil as a means to get rid of acne and people kind of, what? You know, you mix your skin greasy. Of course, you can use it internally. That helps too. But I'm suggesting actually rubbing it on your skin, on your face, because it will help draw out these poisons from the skin. And again, it goes along also, not only is it detoxing, but it also has this anti-inflammatory and antibacterial effect. And studies have shown that coconut 
oil or the medium chain fatty acids within coconut oil kill the bacteria that causes acne. And so when people start putting coconut oil on their face to treat acne, one of two things can happen. One, their face will clear right up and they'll have great skin. Or two, the acne will intensify and they'll have more acne than they've had <laughs> for a long time. But that's only because the skin is cleansing itself. And after a week or two, the acne will go away and they'll have the most beautiful skin they've ever had. Exactly. And if this is the same healing crisis that we talked about before. So at this time, it's just at the skin level. So it absolutely makes sense. Uh, actually, the next person, Ilan Bomani, she had the same question about the blood transfusion. In her case, she was saying that she heard that it mixed with wheatgrass, the coconut water being used for transfusion. Is, is that true? I don't think that one's true because I've looked up every study that I could find on coconut ivy and it's never been mixed with wheatgrass. Yeah, I've got my theories on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, and here's a, here's a, a part two uh, question that she has, which is when she buys coconut water at Whole Foods, sometimes it's pink. Why and is it good for you? Yeah, that occurs. In fact, sometimes you can take a coconut right off of the tree and it will be pink. And the pink is caused by oxidation. Some of the sugars have oxidized in the water and it isn't harmful. This type of oxidation isn't harmful. It just gives it a color and it tastes the same. Uh, basically, the health benefits are pretty much the same. So it's not harmful to drink. Okay. I actually noticed that the stuff in the box, you know, those little Tetra Packs, which I don't even want to get into the environmental impact of that. But is that stuff even truly coconut water? Because it always seems a little too... Sweet? Mm, yeah, too uh, uniform from one batch to the next. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. You've got to look at the ingredient label and other small print. Um, These are all ones that claim that they are 100% coconut water, but they all seem not like coconut water from a coconut. You're exactly right. Um, there's only a few brands that actually taste like real coconut. Some of these brands of coconut water are made from dehydrated coconut or coconut syrup, you know, rather than regular coconut water. And some have added sugar, even though it may not state added sugar, they're allowed to increase the sugar content to a certain level before they have to put that on the label. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I know that when I've bought uh, a fresh coconut and it's been oxidized, as you describe it, adding water kefir crystals to it will remove that pinkness. It'll make it sink to the bottom. Okay. And the rest of it will be clear and fresh, just like always. All right. Uh, that's just my observation. Uh, next question is from David King of Healthy, Wild and Free. He wants to know what are some of the unconventional uses for the coconut that people wouldn't know about? And I, I don't think he means coconut oil only just unconventional uses for coconut. Well, yeah, there are unconventional uses. People think, okay, coconut, that's a food, a fruit, um, the oil, you know, you use it with cooking and stuff, but the oil can be used for a lot of things. It can be used to moisturize your hands. I mean, I used to have the most dry, cracked, bleeding hands there ever was, but I started using coconut and now my hands are as smooth as a baby's bottom. Um, I'll have to test that. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
Also, coconut oil is great for a makeup remover. You know, why mm. use soap and water and chemicals when you can use coconut oil? Coconut oil will dissolve makeup. And once you've wiped it off with a paper towel, then use soap and water to wipe off the remaining. Coconut water is great for all those home mechanics who work on their car and they get grease all over their hands, which is almost impossible to scrub out. You have to use the lava soap or something like that to scrub it off. Well, it's much easier if you take coconut oil and the coconut oil will dissolve all that black, dark grease on the hands. And once you, again, you wipe it off with a paper towel and then wash up with soap and water and your hands will be clean without all the scrubbing. Right. So you can use coconut oil like you would use any others for lubricants and joints and things like that. What about for things that aren't related to the body, though? What about, can you use it for shoe polish, uh, furniture polish? <laughs> you know, like seriously. <laughs> yes, you can use it for furniture polish and things like that. If you want to store eggs, you could take a fresh egg and you could put a coat of coconut oil over the egg and without even refrigerating it, you can store that egg for six months or more. Oh, that's an awesome tip because they used to do that with lard. Back in the day, they'd take the eggs and they'd coat them with lard and that plugs up all the little air holes and stick them in the ground over winter. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. And I know the husks have been used in numerous ways uh, with uh, charcoal briquettes and those types of things, right? In fact, activated charcoal that you use to absorb poisons out of the body can be made from the shell of the coconut. In fact, often is made from the shell of the coconut. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, don't do this at home <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Angela Wade asks a great question. She wants to know about the farming practices of coconuts and is it becoming something we need to pay more attention to, such as quality over quantity? I use coconut oil for everything, food, cooking, massage, teeth, etc. Well, you know, coconut is all over the tropical world and most of the coconut comes from small farmers and they pick their coconuts and they go and they sell them. And for this reason, coconuts in general are not treated with uh, artificial fertilizers or chemical sprays. They're totally natural. They're organic. And so almost all of the coconut oil you buy in the store, whether the brand says organic or not, 99% of the chance is it is organic. Mm. Okay, so uh, some of the other books out there, I'm not going to name anybody <laughs> that's, that claim that uh, a lot of the coconuts, unless they come from that particular company, are prone to... Gee, I know the gas. company you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gas fumes from the highway and all that kind of stuff. It's most likely a, a little bit or a lot of bit BS. <laughs> yes, a lot of bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that's good to know because many of us live by this understanding that you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. So if one company is increasing their price to three times, you know, if one place is 20 bucks a quart and the other one is $7 a quart, is there a difference? You know, and one of the things I tell people is that if you have it in a room that's 72 degrees or more, 
and it's still rock solid, you know, like it was in the refrigerator, something was done to it. It's hydrogenated, for example. Or in Jamaica, I found they, they actually have a, a coconut oil council in Kingston. I brought back some samples from Jamaica and many of them in this freezing uh, supermarket were still liquid. And mm-hmm. I'm saying that's tainted. And it could be tainted. Sometimes people will add other oils into it because coconut oil is a little bit more expensive than some of the cheap vegetable oils. Right. And, and that's what I found is that, I mean, it didn't taste or smell like coconut. It barely smelled like food. Well, you know how I tell coconut oil from another oil or an adulterated oil is I put it on my skin. And I found this by accident, actually. When I went to, I think it was Fiji. I know Fiji, they sold coconut and coconut oil. And I thought, well, I won't take any with me. I'll just buy some there. And I bought some that was said coconut oil with vitamin E. And I thought, oh, how wonderful. So I bought that and I I use coconut oil as a sunscreen because it's wonderful for a sunscreen. And uh, I put some on my skin and I noticed it just didn't feel, it felt greasy. Mm-hmm. Coconut oil doesn't normally feel, you know, greasy like corn oil or soybean oil. And usually the coconut oil will absorb into the skin after a few minutes. But this stuff just pulled on top of my skin. It never absorbed. It was greasy for, you know, an hour afterwards. And when I went out into the sun, I burnt to a crisp in Ouch. like 20 minutes. Ouch. So I knew it was adulterated. So the way I tell is I put it on my skin and if it stays slimy and greasy for more than about 15 minutes, I'm pretty certain that it's been adulterated. That oil slick should not yeah. be there. And that, that's a, a very good test I've found uh, over the years for what's a good oil versus a bad one. You know, did it change properties when I put it in the frying pan? <laughs> no? Well, then it's probably yeah. not for me. And coconut, lard, tallow, those real fats that we had before fat processing or or oil processing began, they change properties in an agreeable way. They Mm -hmm. don't get mucky and sticky and goopy around the the mouth of the bottle. So um, actually, I had a a follow-up question to that, which is you're saying these are small farmers. Do we know that this is an industry that has not become basically a cartel, that it's not being run by overlords who are twisting the knife in the back of these people to, you know, give me your coconuts for as cheap as possible so I can sell them at Costco? You know, there are large coconut plantations that are owned by some large companies. I went to one in Indonesia, which is probably the largest coconut plantation in the world. I mean, it was probably like the size of Delaware. Gee, you know, oh, it, God. <laughs> it was huge. Yes. Delaware is small for a state, but big for a coconut <laughs> that's, plantation. That's exactly right. But this company had their own little police force on them to enforce the laws, to keep people safe. They had canals that ran throughout the plantation where the farmers could gather up the coconuts, which the coconuts belonged to the company, but the farmers actually lived on the property rent-free. They were able to collect all the coconuts that grew on the company property. They put them in these boats. They take the boats to the processing plant, and then they were paid for the amount of coconuts uh, they received. Then they get on the boat, they go back to where their house is, and they collect more coconuts. And so it actually provided hundreds of people a good living. 
So we shouldn't be worried about that because I, I know that this is an issue with avocados in Mexico. Well, actually, a lot of stuff coming out of Mexico, avocados, <laughs> mangoes, pineapples, limes, uh, all of those things are, are subject to uh, basically slave labor. And it doesn't seem from what you've seen, it doesn't seem like that's an issue now with coconut. I haven't seen any type of slave labor type thing. All I've seen is that people that are working in the industry have been happy to have a job and a means to bake an income. Okay. And, and it's a fair, it seems to be a fair wage for uh, putting their kids to school and getting them, you know, everything that they need. As far as I could tell. In a global economy, it's always something that comes up for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm very concerned about that. So now what's the difference between coconut and palm oil? Well, palm oil is a very wonderful oil too. And it's an excellent cooking oil, very stable under heat. It comes from a different type of a palm tree. Mm-hmm. And it's totally different from coconut oil. The health benefits of palm oil are completely different from the health benefits of coconut oil. And the benefits, the major benefits with the palm oil, other than being a great cooking oil, is that it's one of the richest natural sources of fat-soluble vitamins. For example, it's the richest source of, of beta carotene and of the other carotenes. It's one of, if not the richest sources of vitamin E. In fact, it has special uh, types of vitamin E that are up to 60 times more effective or more potent than the ordinary vitamin E that we normally get. It has CoQ10, vitamin K. I mean, it has a whole wide spectrum of wonderful vitamins and and so just by taking a spoonful, it's like taking uh, an enriched natural vitamin supplement. And because it's full of, of beta carotene and alpha carotene and gamma carotene, all the carotenoids, that it is being used in these third world countries, which are poor and the nutrition is bad, is they're using it as nutritional supplement to fight vitamin A deficiency. And it's been very successful in doing that. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know that there was a woman, uh, she had started a company. I know that you would have seen this product. She was probably the first one to actually jar, like in a very Western fashion, the uh, palm oil. And she was selling coconut oil for a while, but I think she sold the business because I haven't seen that brand in a long time now. Her son had some kind of spinal problem where he couldn't walk, basically. And she did her research, and I think she ended up in West Africa, and that's where she started just rubbing the palm oil on his back every day. Something just instinctively told her that was going to help. When I met him, he was 20 years old, and he was walking around, no longer in a wheelchair. Yeah, I've read studies where researchers have gone to Africa where the palm grows, and one of the major medicines when people come down sick is to drink palm oil by the cup. It's their panacea for everything that they have. Right. So what's the deforestation issues there with palm oil? Is it the same with coconut? It is not the same with coconut because this is a political thing. It really doesn't have to do with any reality of deforestation, although that does occur, but it occurs with any type of agricultural product, not just with palm oil. In fact, even less with palm oil. But what's happening is 
since the soybean oil has uh, the new laws mm -hmm. for the hydrogenated oils have come into effect, then food manufacturers have been looking for other type of oils to replace the hydrogenated soybean and cottonseed and sunflower oils. And so they've gone to palm oil because it is a perfect, healthy, natural, cheaper replacement for it. Well, those people in the soybean and seed oil industry don't want to lose their market share. And so they have created this scare just like they did mm -hmm. 30 years earlier with a saturated fat scare. I mean, this was created by the soybean industry to scare us away from it. They're creating now an environmental scare to scare us away from using palm oil with overblown alarm about the harm that palm oil is doing. But if you actually look at how palm oil is grown, palm oil is one of the most environmentally friendly crops in the entire planet because you can produce like 630 barrels of oil with the same amount of land that it would take to produce one barrel of soybean oil. Wow. Does it grow rapidly? I wouldn't say as rapidly as bamboo, but is it something that's easily replaceable? What's great about it is that once you plant the tree, it will take three or four years before the tree is old enough to start producing uh, fruit. But once it starts producing fruit, it will produce fruit commercially for at least 25 years. So for a quarter of a century, you don't have to do anything with the ground. You don't have to plow it. You don't have to spray it. But if you do soybean oil or soybean, you're going to have to plow every single year. You're going to have to spray every single year. You're going to have to use artificial fertilizer. And you know, soy, 90% of it is GMO. Yeah. But palm is not GMO. It Knock is on not. wood. Yes. <laughs> um, what's the difference between Spectrum's white palm oil, palm shortening, or is that palm kernel oil? What's the difference between that and this red palm oil that we're talking about? You know, the palm fruit is the size of about of a small plum or a golf ball, okay. basically. And it's a very deep orange red. And when you take the oil out of the fruit, you get a very deep red orange oil. Mm -hmm. This is virgin palm oil. Red palm oil is virgin palm oil. And if they take that palm oil and they process it, taking out, you know, the flavor, because, you know, a lot of people don't want the flavor in all their foods. <laughs> Only in America. <laughs> It turns There's flavor the in this food. <laughs> I'm going to call my congressman. <laughs> to remove this color and to remove the flavor, the oil lightens up and becomes more whiter, which I call white palm oil. And, and that's what you find with the palm shortening. And that's what's usually used in food processing. Now, even though they've removed the red, which is primarily due to the beta, alpha, and gamma carotene and things like that, it's still is very, very high in vitamin E's and CoQ10 and vitamin K. So it still is a very rich source of vitamins, even after it's been processed. Uh-huh. I've found that I like popcorn made in that more than I like it in coconut oil. 
Because it has a flavor to it. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lovely buttery flavor. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine came over with her daughter. Her daughter is like the pickiest kid I've ever, you know, eats plain pasta. I don't even know if she puts butter on the pasta. Like she just doesn't, <laughs> the kid does not eat. And she saw her daughter just eating mouthful after mouthful of this popcorn that I made. And she's just like, you never eat popcorn. Why are you eating it? She goes, this is the best popcorn <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. F- f- fabulous. Yeah. Those are always, I always have those questions about palm oil and then what's palm kernel oil versus palm oil is that is there a difference there there is a difference there's two type of oils that come from the palm fruit from the actual fleshy fruit part is the red palm oil and inside that there is a seed it kind of is like a, a mini coconut it has a hard shell and you crack open that seed and inside is a white flesh that is pretty much identical to coconut meat and the oil from the palm kernel is almost identical to coconut oil in its properties. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so it's good for us too. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Andy Beveridge asks, I just purchased a tub of coconut oil. I like it, but I'm not sure it's doing me any good. I'm not sure what he's looking for. <laughs> right. Not- what are you looking for? You know, you, it's not a miracle wonder, you know, that's not going to change you overnight. It's something that helps your body improve naturally. It helps boost your immune system. It helps your body function a little bit better. And a lot of these things are so subtle, you don't see it overnight after using it once or twice. It takes time to see changes in blood sugar level and the, the benefits that come through that. Uh, I recommend he tries it on his skin, particularly if he has a dry, rough skin. And you or, know what? He lives in Spain, too. He okay. Spain, so he could use that. <laughs> Especially, you know, when he posts about walking around in his underwear outside. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, one of the great things about coconut oil is its antifungal properties. And although it works great inside that way, it works wonderfully outside on your skin, particularly with skin fungus. So athlete's foot, ringworm, nail fungus. I have people come to me all the time and say, oh, I have toenail fungus and I've had it for 10 years and haven't been able to get rid of it. I've used all the prescription medications and all that, but they never work. And I say, well, use coconut oil. They come back in a week and say, it's wonderful. It's gone after 10 years, you know. Yeah. My daughter got uh, ringworm when she was little and coconut oil did not work. But what did work was iodine. Just plain old cheap ass $2 iodine (laughs) worked. And again, I found it in my aunt's nursing textbook from 1960. Mm -hmm. And there were two solutions in there. And she had gone through like a year of this with all the the the, Mm over-the-counter, you know, tenactin and all that stuff. And then the, the prescription stuff, nothing worked. The prescription here was apply it once a day to the affected area for three days. And it was done. Yeah. It's a similar effect as coconut, right? Because it's also feeding the thyroid. So I don't know if it just dried it up enough because ringworm can, although she had it in a place that really shouldn't have been terribly sweaty. It wasn't like she got it in the uh, back of her leg. It was actually on the side of her leg. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, the iodine just cleared that thing right up. Now, I'd, I'd like to restate again that coconut oil is wonderful and it does a m- lot of marvelous things, but it won't 
cure every single condition. You know, I've seen it work almost miracles. For example, uh, one mother said her newborn baby had this horrible rash all over its body, uh, eczema it looked mm. like, and it was bad. And she went to the doctor and he would give her creams and she'd use that. And she said the creams even made it worse and it mm-hmm. was very inflamed and actually swollen. And the baby had this condition for several months. And then finally she learned about coconut oil and she started using coconut oil and it only took uh, a week or so and the rash was completely gone. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And I I can see why people want to believe that it can cure anything, especially after the conventional route has failed you. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to kind of start making these blanket statements. And, And again, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because I do see these websites and these people who I'm basically on the same page as you, but don't overstep this. Okay. Right, let's not, let's right. not make these grandiose claims that are either not backed up or you don't have the backing for it, or it's just ridiculous. You know, you can't say every you know, one thing is going to be the same way every time for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, there is so much uh, individuality factors that are not even taken into consideration. Right. Uh, and our final question, it's come from Samia Garrity. I've heard that coconut oil can help boost the metabolism in an otherwise healthy diet. Is it true? And if so, how much do we need to consume? Thinking especially about people in midlife when metabolism tends to slow down. Yes, um, this is a well-established scientific fact that coconut oil does boost metabolism. Coconut oil is actually processed in the body differently from other fats, and that's why it has uh, this particular effect. Once you eat it, it goes straight to the liver rather than into the bloodstream. And when it goes to the liver, the liver looks at these medium-chain fatty acids from the coconut oil and says, ah, food, and it uses them as a source of fuel and starts burning it off. And so you get a boost of energy, and this boost of energy kicks your metabolism to a higher level. And because of this, it can help uh, people who are overweight burn off excess calories. In fact, coconut oil has been recommended by researchers as an aid to uh, treat obesity and manage weight. Fantastic. It also bypasses gallbladder metabolism, correct? So if you're missing a gallbladder, you can use coconut. Exactly. Coconut oil digests very, very easily. And so if you're missing your gallbladder, if you have gallbladder problems, coconut oil is the most friendly oil for you because it won't give you uh, the digestive distress. It will digest. It will help your body absorb all the nutrients that fats are important in your diet to do. So I recommend anyone with gallbladder problems use coconut oil as their primary source of fat. Mm -hmm. Sorry, just back to uh, Samia's question. Yes, we we know that it's established that coconut oil will uh, boost the metabolism. How much would someone need to consume or is that just play it by ear and see what works for you? Like you were talking about before titrating up. Is it different at different stages of life? I guess is maybe a better way to ask that question. Well, it varies a little bit. I have a book called The Coconut Ketogenic Diet. And so if you can combine coconut oil with a low carb or a ketogenic diet, you'll gain the most benefit from it. And so there's not really like one tablespoon will do it or two tablespoons will do it. It should be probably the main fat 
in your diet. You can have other healthy fats as well, you know, butter and so forth, but use coconut oil as your primary source of fat. Okay. Very, very, very interesting. Thank you so much for your time. That was the last question. And I've kept you here now for an hour, but it was an hour well worth my time for sure. And I know the listeners are going to love it. Bruce, what are you up to these days? Where can people find you? Well, if they want to learn more about me and particularly about coconut, I recommend they come to my website, which is www.coconutresearchcenter.org. Coconutresearchcenter.org. This is an educational website. There's no marketing. There's no selling on this website. It's just articles, videos, uh, nutrition information, news, etc. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, everybody, thank you for your questions. Uh, that was phenomenal. Uh, I, I don't think we've had quite that kind of response <laughs> to, to, to me asking, do you have a question for my guest today? So uh, people will definitely be looking forward to that. This is Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. The URL is nutritionheretic.com. Thank you, Bruce. And I hope to have you back when you write another book. I'm always writing books. (laughs) Well, we got to talk about this. But uh, yeah, definitely. I want to talk to you. Maybe next time we can have you and talk about vision because you've written some books on vision, which I think a lot of and you use coconut in there. So I'd I'd like to uh, I think a lot of people who are fighting with uh, vision problems, particularly as we age, would love to know about that. Definitely. And I can tell the story of how I cured my glaucoma. Okay. thank you so much. (laughs) Have a great one. Thank you. Okay. The Nutrition Heretic Podcast is a production of Savor the Journey, LLC. Our audio editor is Nikola Popovich. Our podcast manager is Crystal McLean, and our operations manager is Linda Hansen. I'm your host, Adrian Hugh, the Nutrition Heretic. You can find us at nutritionheretic.com where you can download the Nutrition Heretic's free shit list of seven health foods to avoid like the plague. You can also listen to previous episodes at nutritionheretic.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on social media for updates. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash nutritionheretic and on Twitter at NutriHeretic. Contact us with show ideas, questions, or if you just want to be a guest. And don't forget to rate our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks! (music) 